Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But this particular series is so close to my heart because it's the kind of teaching that I got as a teenager. I sat in church listening to messages like this and it just shaped my thinking. It helped me have a reference point of how I need to be thinking when it comes to who I am. Because who I think I am is more important than actually who I am. Do you know that? We will never live above the revelation that we have of ourselves. What you say about you is more important than what God says about you. We need to make sure that what we say about us lines up with what God says about us. And that the core of this particular series is my desire and my passion for us to have an incredible foundation of how we need to be thinking when it comes to who we are. Because in this life, there's a lot of people who's going to put a lot of things on you. They're going to say a lot of things about you. And just because someone says something about you or tries to put something on you, it doesn't mean it's true. It's kind of like mum or dad trying to put a jumper on little Johnny when little Johnny doesn't want a jumper. But the reason we want to put a jumper on him is because we're cold. You know what I'm talking about? And, And we try and put things on people that are more related to us than to them. And that's the very premise of Jesus Christ coming. He came to take off the things that people have put on you. He came to set you free and not only set you free, but keep you free. It's not enough just to be set free. He wants to keep you free. He wants you walking in the freedom of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And if we live this life right and we make the most of what is accessible to us through good thinking. We should be walking in a newer freedom today than when we first began this journey called Christianity. And so if you're visiting for the first time today and and, and you're not a Christian or you don't even know where you are placed in the whole religious line, you're so welcome here this morning. We are so glad you are here because this place was built with you in mind and we're just glad that you're here. If you are a Christian, this is going to help you go deeper in your understanding of who you are and get a greater conviction so that we live out of our convictions, not our offences. Amen? Sound good? So give someone a high five as you take your seats and let's put our hands together for the band as they make their way back to their seats. That'd be great. Thanks guys. Did a great job. So we're going to be continuing our series that I've already mentioned called Who Do You Think You Are? Because who you think you are is so important in this life because you'll never rise above your level of thinking. And that's what this whole series is about. And as I've already mentioned, Ashley did a brilliant job last week sharing. And over the last couple of weeks, we've touched on a couple of different areas in, within the same service. And today I just think I want to pick one subject because I really want to drill down on this particular subject and it's the subject of salvation. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you, I'm saved. I'm saved. And and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you too are saved. And that's an important thing to know. What I've been tired of over many, many years is how people are so quick to lose the conviction of their salvation. They, They question their salvation all the time. And brothers and sisters, that should not be. 
If there's one thing that we should be assured of, it's our salvation in Jesus Christ. Not because of our works, not because of our mistakes, but because of what Jesus did for us. And I trust that our series today and particularly this message will help us and hold us when it comes to the issue of our salvation. And I pray for every person in this room who would declare that they are saved today would never question their salvation from this moment forward. And I trust and pray that there'll be people today that be able to respond and find themselves saved if you're not sure about your salvation. You might say, saved from what? That's what this is all about today. We're going to answer that particular question because there's nothing worse than coming to an organisation and they use their organisational language and you don't know what they mean. So I'm going to explain what I mean by saved in just a little while. But to um, just set the scene, uh, I want to just uh, tell you something that happened to me many, many years ago when I was at a restaurant and uh, just finished my meal. And many of you who know me know that a meal is not finished unless I have my cup of tea. And going back many, many years ago, I said to the woman, can I have a cup of tea, please? And the waitress was doing a brilliant job, but she confused me because she said, what kind of tea would you like? That was news to me. (laughs) Well, what do you mean, what type of tea? There's only one type of tea. I didn't even know it was referred to as black tea. It's just, and I just looked, I said, uh, what kind of tea? A cup of tea, I said. I said, a cup of tea. I, I didn't know any better. I was just, I was confused. And she says, no, 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 we have lots of teas. I said, whoa, poor, what? You have lots of teas? I didn't know about this. I said, tell me about this strange new teaching. She says, yeah, we, we have black tea. We have green tea. We have chamomile tea. We have Earl Grey tea. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, just, just the thought of that one. And then I went to South Africa. And the first time I went to South Africa, they asked me for a cup of tea. And, and they have rooibos. And that's just, oh, just, oh, just, you don't. I was, I was like mind blown because I didn't know there was this plethora of teas. And as a result, I was really confused. I just want a cup of tea. And I think when it comes to our salvation, we get a little bit confused because of what the Bible says about salvation. And I hope today to clear up some of the confusion and give us a greater conviction about what it means for us to be saved and not only be saved, but to live in the fullness of our salvation. Are you with me today? Because just like there are levels of T's, there are levels of salvation when it comes to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says that I have been saved, which is a past tense reference to my salvation. It says, for it is by the grace of, uh, it is by grace that you have been saved. Everyone say been. been. You've been saved. This is a past tense reference to my salvation. That's fair to say. But when you go over to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it talks about a present tense being saved. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. I'm like, wow. Paul was talking in Ephesians about the fact that we've been saved. Now he's talking about being saved. One is past tense. One is very much present tense. I, I can understand where some of the confusion comes. But then it gets even more confusing when you read Acts chapter 15, verse 11. It says, but we believe that we will be saved, which is future tense. We will be saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as they 
will. Now, I don't know about you. Does that sound a little bit confusing? It's kind of, if you had multiple choice right now, and it was A, B, or C, uh, what do you pick? Am I, am, am I saved? Am I being saved? Or will I be saved? A, B, or C? I, I want to tell you the answer is D. It's all of the above. The answer is not A. It's not B. It's not C. It's actually D, all of the above. Everyone shout out at me, all of the above. And breathe a sigh of relief. It's just like, it, it's, it is. It's all of the above. In other words, we live a past present and future reality all at once. We live three stages all at the same time. You say, how can that be? Well, I remember when I was much younger than I am today and I took my lovely then girlfriend out for a special date, um, which was my night where I was going to propose to her. And I bought this nice little ring and I placed it on her finger and it was an engagement ring. And that ring she wears today. And that ring signified an event that is in the past, the day that I asked her to marry me. It was, it's, a, it's a reminder of a past event. Uh, but when, the, when she was wearing that ring, prior to us being married, it was very much a present reality because she was very much presently engaged. So the ring signified something that had taken place. Tony had asked me to marry him. It represented a past event, that ring. The ring also represented a present event that I am now engaged. But it also represented a future event that we will be getting married. That one ring represents a past, present, future reality. And so it is when it comes to our salvation. There is a past, present and future reality to our salvation. In other words, we've been saved from the penalty of our sin. We are being saved for, from the power of sin. And thirdly, we are being saved from the very presence of sin. And I want to this morning just drill down on those three things. The past, present and future reality of our salvation this morning. How does that sound? And then we'll just worship some more and have a great time tonight with our international food night. Celebrating the very nation of Brazil with all of its delicate, delicate delicacies. That's what I'm trying to say. Delicacies, that's kind of cool. So the first one is simply this, that we've been saved from the penalty of sin. And, and a big fancy word, if you want to impress anyone, is justification. If I say justification. And as I was told when I was younger, growing up, that justification is like, it's just as, I, as if I've never sinned. Justification means just as if I've never sinned. You see, we have all sinned, the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In modern day terminology is that uh, we have all let ourselves down, not only God. Just, just think about it for a moment. We not only let God down, but we let ourselves down. If you think back to January 1, some of the New Year's resolutions that you made, it may have been to get fitter, it may have been to eat better food, it may have been to get up earlier, whatever it is, often by the time January's finished, we've just already not made good on the promises. We let ourselves down all the time. How much more this God of a holy standard? And the Bible says each and every one of us, me, you, everyone has fallen short of God's high, holy standard. And because he's not only a loving God, but because he's a just God, that sin must be paid for. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the penalty of our sin is death. 
So there's a death sentence over each and every one of us because of our sin. And God would not be just if he just winked at that and didn't deal with that. In actual fact, you can't have justice without love and you can't have love without justice. Can you imagine for a moment if this crazed gunman who's gunned down 50 plus people in Christchurch more recently stood in a court of law and the judge looked at him and said, ah, look, you know, he made a mistake. Let's just let him go. There would be an outcry, wouldn't there? Because we know in our heart of hearts that sin must be paid for. And God knows that sin must be paid for. But He's also a loving God and wants to spend all time and eternity with us. And so if He kills all of us, He'll have no one to love and be with. And that was the plan and purpose of Jesus Christ coming, that justice could be fulfilled and a loving relationship with Him could begin. And so Jesus Christ came to planet Earth some 2,000 years ago. He came from a different bloodline. He was born of a virgin and he lived a sinless, perfect life for some 33 years. And he went on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. And he died receiving upon himself the death penalty, the death penalty that was on our lives for our sin. He died, he was buried and three days later he rose again. And the Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone, that's anyone, that's all of us who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon Him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The good news is that for all of those that put their faith in Jesus Christ, they will not be penalised for their sin. What are you saved from? You're actually saved from the death penalty. You're saved from eternal damnation. You're saved from eternal judgment and eternal punishment because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you with me today? I don't know if any of you heard of this phrase, double jeopardy, but it's a clause in the Fifth Amendment in the American Constitution. And there was a film made upon it in 1999 starring Ashley Judd and, and Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know if any of you saw it. But um, the story goes that there is this man who faked his death. His wife was charged for his murder. And then later in the show, he shows up still alive. But she's paid the price for him already being murdered. And double jeopardy means this. You cannot be charged for the same crime twice. And the premise of the film is she goes about trying to kill him knowing that she's already, she's already served time for him, his murder, so she may as well now murder him. <laughs> the, the great little film, you can watch it later on and whatever. But, it, but it's based upon the American Constitution, the Fifth Amendment, that says you cannot be charged for the same crime twice. Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for your sin. Everything you've ever done, past, present and future, He has covered it once for all. Once for all. And so when you sin, that sin has been covered. It has been paid for. And according to the American Constitution, the Fifth Amendment, you can't be charged for the same crime twice. That's incredibly freeing. 
knowing that matter what I do, all my mistakes, all my sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. It's like the other day when I was out for dinner, we went out with some friends and we had a meal and, and they got up earlier, they had to leave and they paid for our meal. We stayed around a lot longer, a couple of hours longer. And so we stood up and, and we left. And as we were leaving, the person said, excuse me, you, uh, let me, you haven't paid the bill. And I said, technically you are correct. We have not paid the bill. But the bill has been paid for. And I showed him the, uh, the, the fact we went to the manager and got the manager in. He said, yeah, that's no, been actually been paid for. Truth is, I hadn't paid for it. But someone else had paid for it for me. The truth is, I have not paid for my sins. But Jesus has. And this is incredibly freeing. Now, this truth should not lead to us not caring. This truth should not lead to us just wanting to sin all the more. This sin uh, this truth should lead to us being so grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for us that we want to live a life that is worthy of Him and pleasing of Him so that we might make a difference in this world. Are you with me today? See, our sins have been paid in full. When Jesus hung upon the cross and said, it is finished, the Greek word teleos simply means this, paid in full. The devil wants to say, ah, oh, you're this, you're that, you're the other. Ah, oh, you did this and you said that and you're... And we say, that's true. But my sin has been paid for. And we point to Jesus, not to our efforts and not to our works and not to our words, but to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this should result, and I am trusting will result in a greater confidence that we wouldn't just be on a witch hunt every time something bad happens. Oh my gosh, you've not done this. And we start thinking, maybe it's when I, when I looked at that cat wrong and I, I was going to kick it, but I didn't. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's why my whole life's falling apart because I kicked a cat back in 1973 and I shouldn't have done that. It's not the way it works. You've got to be set free from the tyranny of that kind of thinking. We all make mistakes. Our best intentions, we make mistakes. But I thank God for the blood of Jesus that it's powerful enough to pay for all my sins, past, present and future. Amen. Secondly, not only have we been saved from the penalty of sin, but secondly, we are being saved from the power of sin. And the big theological, biblical word for that would be sanctification. Sanctification. In other words, we, we, are, we are being saved for a purpose. We, we are saved to serve. And, and, and when it comes to being saved from the penalty of sin, that is linked to the cross. But when it comes to being saved from the power of sin, that's linked to the resurrection. Does that make sense? See, we have an ability to overcome sin because of the power of God that's at work in me. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, it says this, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of, I've lost my place, through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom we poured out generously through the Jesus Christ, our Lord Saviour. This is the incredible truth that we have the ability not to be forgiven from our sins, but also to have the power to overcome sin as we live in this day-to-day -day world. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's been there at the birth of their child would agree with me. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. I witnessed all three children of ours being birthed and, and it's just like, it is, it is, it is, it's, a, it's a God miracle. If I wasn't a Christian, I would have got converted there and then. 
I mean, it's just miraculous, this incredible birth. That, that, that was instantaneous and it was miraculous. But since the birth of our children, there's been a process, a process of burping them and changing their nappies and, and growing them and, and talking to them and loving them and taking them to school and disciplining them and correcting them. And there's been this process. The miracle was a starting place. Birthing is a miraculous starting place. And when we get born again, it's a miraculous starting place. But then there's outworking of our salvation, the sanctifying, the sanctification that takes place with the incredible miracle that is the new birth, the being born again. Is this making sense? What I also know about the raising of our children, it's not clinical, it's not clean, at times it can be downright messy, particularly when they're younger. And it's just nappies and it's mess and, and there's projectile vomits. It's just, it's just not pleasant. And your best efforts as a parent just, you know, just go you know, undone. I, I never forget the first time Jordan, who was our firstborn, just had a little bit of baby vomit on, on Kath's jacket. And back in the day, she had this incredible suede brown leather jacket, which was the rage back then and, and she was like quick to wipe it off quick to wipe it off I want to stay by the time Jordan was about four months she didn't even care anymore this thing was just covered in baby vomit it's just, it's just, it's just messy it's messy and the Christian life can be like that it's, it's like a construction site see we are not a shop front window we're more like a construction site we're, we, are, we are being worked on have you ever been to a construction site it's, it's not pretty a shop front window is finished, it's elegant, it's nice, it's attractive. But before that, it was a work zone, it was a construction site. And on a construction site, you hear all kinds of things, you see all kinds of things, there's dust, there's noise, there's all kinds of things that go on. There's lots of empty iced coffee cartons around the place, Farmers Union, iced coffee containers. It's anything but clinical and, and neat and clean and tidy, it's just messy. And you and I, we're more of a construction site than we are a shop front window. Because God is still working on us. He's working on you and He's working on me, which means we're not perfect. But we have this power in us to overcome sin and deal with sin on a daily basis. Are you with me today? And that's why I love that song we sang earlier. Because it highlights our good intentions with some of the realities that we face from time to time. And we need to know that this is part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that takes place in our lives. And we don't want to confuse that with, am I saved? We're saved. Our sins are dealt with once and for all, thank God. But you know what? I'm a work in progress. And maybe you need to remind yourself this morning that you haven't arrived. You're actually just a work in progress. Maybe you should get a little t-shirt and on the front of it we should all put under construction. Or maybe this one, God at work. Because who finds himself still being worked on? I know I do. And that's cool. That's fine. You think of Peter. Before Jesus went to the cross, Peter said, oh, I will never disown you. He was loud and proud and, and, and Jesus had great intentions. But the reality is before the roaster crows three times, you're going to deny me. 
not once, not twice, but three times. And, and Peter said, nah, never. And here he is finding himself disowning Jesus three times and, and just feeling terrible about it. And Jesus sees him on the, the uh, shore there and just reconciles Peter back to himself. And, and Peter's life was much like that right throughout his life. And, and maybe your life is a little bit like that. But let's not give up. Let's not give in. Maybe we should make the goal better, not perfect. Maybe we can make 2019 a year where we just get better at some things. Not aim for perfection. I think sometimes we put this massive expectation on us and we just set ourselves up to fail again and again and again. Paul says it this way, the one thing I do, I press on. Let's not give up, let's not give in, but let's press on. I'm being saved from the power of sin, sanctification. And the third one is simply this, that we will be saved from the very presence of sin. This is an amazing journey that we've been saved from the penalty of sin once and for all. Done and dusted. Justification. We are being saved from the power of sin on a day-to-day basis. Overcoming temptation, overcoming circumstances, situations, sanctification. But there is coming a day where we will be saved from the very presence of sin. Glorification. There is coming a day where sin will not exist and we will not have to contend with sin as we do today. See, we live as Christians in a now, not yet reality. And that's why some of us feel incredibly satisfied, but yet unsatisfied. You feel incredibly full, but gee, there's something missing. Anyone feel like that? I know I do. I feel satisfied, but I know there's more. I feel full, but gee, there's something missing. And that's because our hearts are longing for our real home. And, and, and our home is heaven. In Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I, I thank God for Jesus. Because of Jesus, my past sins and the penalty of sin has been paid for once and for all. I thank God for the Holy Spirit who gives me the power to overcome sin on a day-to-day basis. But I also thank God in advance that one day is coming where we won't even have to live in the very existence of sin. You see, all of us have a yearning for something more, which highlights there's more to experience. C.S. Lewis says it this way, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You know, inside of each and every one of us as a band come up, that'd be great, is what I call a God-shaped hole. And you can't fill a God-shaped hole with anything else but God Himself. Many people try and do that. They try and fill the void and the emptiness with relationships, with substances, with possessions, all kinds of things. But this God-shaped hole in us is reserved wholly and solely for God Himself. 
And there is coming a day, the Bible says, that we will see Him face to face. And that will be for us like a homecoming. In the meantime, we're here on planet Earth doing what it is that we do, but there is coming a day where we will see Him face to face and be saved from the very presence of sin. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. But if you call yourself a Christian based upon a decision that you've made sometime in your life to call Jesus your Lord and Saviour, then know this, that your sins in the past have been dealt with. The penalty of sin has been dealt with once and for all. We no longer need to keep confessing about stuff that we did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. In actual fact, I think a lot of what we call prayer is just wasted time. Maybe write this down. I think we've got to learn this year to turn our confession into profession. There's got to come a time. Yes, confession is important. But there comes a time when we stop confessing and we start professing who we are in Christ Jesus. There's only so much sorry I can do. There's only so much I wish I hadn't have done that I can do. There comes a time when we have to man up or woman up and start saying, you know what? It is what it is. But I want to thank Jesus that He paid for the penalty of my sin once and for all. It wasn't because of my good works, but because of His good works that I can stand as a free son or free daughter this morning. And then we just start getting to a profession about who we are in Christ. I thank God that I'm adopted, that I'm part of the family of God for all time and eternity. And nothing can change that fact. No one can rob me outside of the family of God. I thank God that I'm accepted. Oh my goodness me, I'm accepted. I've been rejected many times in my life, but by God, I am accepted into His family. I thank God for that. I don't know about you, but do you find yourself getting just a little bit excited? This is different than confession. Confession, oh God, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm such a terrible husband. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I let you down again, God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry. Oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. Oh, am I even saved, God? I'm just, I think it's worse than that. I think I broke the microphone. Sorry about that. Oh, but you know, I could go down. Oh, I'm so unworthy. But you know what? Here I am preaching and I thank God that He forgives me. You're the back. He forgives me for the broken microphone. I'm sorry. I thank God that I'm forgiven. Are you feeling this this morning? We're going to turn our confession into profession. Do you believe it this morning? That your past sins, the penalty of sin, has been paid for once and for all. Stop digging up the past. And there is a power to overcome sin. You're going to face your own humanity. You're going to face your own weaknesses. Hey, there is the one inside of you that is greater than he that is in the world. And you can take those challenges head on as you look to him. And you can find yourself overcoming. Amen. And doing what you otherwise could not do in your own strength. There is one that lives on the inside of you that gives you the power to overcome sin. And then, oh my goodness me, God, I thank You that there's one day, I don't know, I don't know, some of us are going to face this day sooner than others based on age and based on health and all those things. But the reality is, in 50 years' time, certainly 100 years' time, all of us are going to stand before God. And we're going to 
receive that warm smile as He welcomes us into His family. For all of those who've accepted Jesus and realised we fell far short of the mark, but thanks be to God for the gift of Jesus. We get to spend time and eternity with Him. People often ask, what's heaven like? And that's a hard question. Because if you start thinking beaches and warm sunny days, which is heaven to me, I know that's not heaven for everyone. And something, oh, I hope it's cold. I don't know how that works. But this is, this is how I describe heaven. Think of your best day. Think of your best day. Whatever your best day is, heaven's better than that. Now I want you to think of your worst day. Hell is worse than that. Because your worst day here on earth, you still have people loving you, people praying for you, people caring for you, people thinking about you. All that's removed. And contrary to popular belief, God does not send anyone to hell. That moment in time is God simply allowing them what they've always wanted, and that is a life without God. God allowing people to go to eternal damnation is just Him giving them their wish. It's, it's for people who say, I don't want God. So He says, here, here's your wish. And heaven's for that place that I want you, Lord. I may not be perfect. I may mess up a few times, more than I'd like, but I want you. Heaven's for people who want God. Hell's for a place where people go that don't want God. So God doesn't send. God loves the whole world. He wishes that all would just come to Him. But He doesn't take away our free will. He lets us choose. The, the, the greatest act of love is God letting us choose. It blows my mind. You think about it. If you made, if you made something, you'd usually make it to serve you. God created us and then gave us the choice to choose Him or reject Him. Can you imagine making a robot? And no doubt you have some functions in it like, get me a drink, get me my slippers, do the vacuuming. You know those little vacuums that go around? You buy that to vacuum for you, to benefit you. Can you imagine the creator of that vacuum saying, I'm going to give you the freedom to choose whether you want a vacuum or not? That's how loving and gracious God is. He creates us and gives us, you don't even have to, you don't have to live with me. You don't even have to like me. But He loves the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.